Rudolph and Adam. Some more exciting answers to the baffling and intriguing questions of science. Up and Adam. Science on FBI. Hello, Dr. Alice. Hello, good morning. Good morning. Uh, today we are talking dinosaurs. It's the dinosaur special. Yes, it uh, really is. Yeah, that's very exciting. I love it when you pair two cool stories together. Um, you are in charge of doing the tweets for Up and Adam and for FBI Radio on our Twitter. And you did a little il- illustration this morning and I feel like... Sydney needs to hear about it. I think people, Sydney might know why I'm a scientist and not an artist if they have a look at this, <laughs> but um, we've got a bit of a, we've got a bit of a dinosaur checking out a bottle of Head and Shoulders. Yeah. Because today I bring you all the important stories and I need to tell you all that dinosaurs had dandruff. Oh, there were, there were some nerdy dinosaurs back uh, in the day. Some real geeks that had dandruff. That's not how it works. Probably it's... were nearsighted or something like that. That's not how it works at all. They, these these, these <laughs> poor little dinosaurs. In fact, it, this is a really exciting discovery because it sounds quite funny because it's about dandruff. Mm. But it, it actually tells us a bit about how um, the skin of feathered dinosaurs um, might have evolved and at what stage. Oh, okay. because so it's just for feathered dinosaurs. It's, it's, well, this what they found is they they found some um, some dinosaurs that the 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 remains were found um, in rock formations in northeast China, and they found um, some really tiny flakes of um, fossilized skin on uh, a type of dinosaur that's about the size of a crow. It's called a, a microraptor. Mm-hmm. And they've also looked at two other types of dinosaurs and found that there's fossilized dinosaur on these bodies too. Um, and this is the way they found this because they're tiny pieces of, of, of skin that have been fossilized is using really powerful microscopes. They use electron microscopes. So whereas maybe the microscopes that we look at used in school have used light, these ones use electrons to, to have higher resolution so you can you can see things in more detail. And this dandruff looks quite similar to the, the the sort of skin flakes that are found in modern birds, which suggests that dinosaurs, which we kind of think of as being lizard-like... I always think lizards instantly. And then when somebody shows me like um, something that looks like a bear or something like that, I'm always like, oh, that's What's not a dinosaur, that's here? just a really old bear. Well, they have been finding you know, more and more examples of preserved feathered dinosaurs, which is pretty exciting. But this, this particular species was, was thought to have four wings, so kind of four limbs with wings attached, and they're feathered. And it suggests that because this kind of flaky skin has been found, that they had skin underneath their feathers rather than a kind of more kind of scaly reptilian skin. And, you know, we know that reptiles lose their skin either. They kind of completely shed the whole of their skin. You see this with snakes or they lose it in big kind of pieces. But this suggests that they lost their, you know, their dead skin in in a way that's similar to modern birds and humans, because that's after all what dandruff is. We all lose skin off our scalp because... you know skin's dying all the time and being replaced when we see dandruff it's because there's either been an overproduction of this skin cell or they're bigger pieces but usually we just kind of don't notice it but it looks like dinosaurs had a similar kind of skin to modern birds so what does head and shoulders do then and why do uh, if you're producing too many skin cells is that uh, something to do with like 
your diet or your body. I don't really so, understand how so a shampoo I don't know, would fix it. <laughs> so I don't know the whole ins and outs, but I think there's, there's things to do with hormones. There's also to, to do with diet, but I might have to find that one out for another time because yeah. I'm not completely sure on the answer of what causes dan- dandruff. You came in prepped for dinosaur um, questions. I just dinosaur questions. And I asked but, you about dandruff. <laughs> um, but um, it's also, I think that you can have sort of antifungal treatments or different kind of medi- medicated air, uh, medicines or medicated or, um, molecules that can, can treat this kind of buildup of skin but I might have to do a, a dandruff special um, but the thing that was pretty cool about this finding too is that when they looked at these these particles of skin so they're they're from the outermost part of, of the epidem- epidermis so the outer layer and they are found in in modern birds to have um, a lot of fat that's um, involved in this this layer right and they're the, the, these layers of skin are made up of a protein called keratin that's really fibrous and, mm-hmm. and it's what we, we found in um, horns and, and hair and all sorts of substances like that. And in modern birds, when they're packed with this fat, um, it's thought to help birds lose heat from their body when they're flying over long distances because they, birds, get warm. they get warm and they need to cool down. And this layer of fat wasn't found in these in this dinosaur dandruff. Um, which was interesting because it could suggest that either, well, either they got pretty hot when they were flying or they didn't fly very far or maybe they didn't fly at all. Right. Um, which kind of, you know, is, a, is an interesting question because, um, you know, you think about anything with wings as being able to fly, but maybe they served another purpose. Maybe there were these feathers, for example, were there just to keep them warm or maybe it was to help them as part of a, a mating ritual or maybe to blend into the background and, and to camouflage in, in there. So there's lots of questions in terms of how they developed um, this particular you know capacity to lose their skin, but also what this meant for flight. Yeah, that's really interesting that we've gotten that far based off just going, oh, this, this dinosaur had dandruff. Mm-hmm. Do we know any uh, modern modern existing animals that have the same dandruff well you know this is found in birds because this is how i mean this is how uh we lose our skin cells it's right, just right. that um when these flaky bits you know get a bit more obvious that's when people notice that yeah you know your shoulders kind of become covered in in the layers of this flaky skin mm. whereas normally we don't see it they needed some head and shoulders maybe they could have um flown more i guess yeah well we'll see (laughs) (laughs) you are listening to up and adam today on up for it with dr alice williamson and we're chatting dinosaurs we were just talking about dinosaurs that had dandruff now we're talking about a uh is it a new discovery what's just happened? Well, yeah, so it, it's it's part of a new discovery. So the last story was a warm-up for this story, and you'll see why why that one works in Ooh, a minute. But, okay. but basically, um, you know, the dinosaurs aren't around anymore. Yes. And there's been, why is that? There's been, well, there's <laughs> been a few theories as to why, but the most widely accepted theory for a while now has been that uh, an asteroid collided with the Earth around 66 to 65 million years ago. It was a massive asteroid, about 10 to 15 kilometres in, in diameter that smashed into the earth at high impact um, in Mexico and, and formed a huge crater about 150 kilometers in diameter cool. and this crater is called the Chicxulub I hope I've pronounced that right uh, crater in Mexico um, and one of the reasons that that people think that this you know might have happened and caused this event or why it was detected is because large amounts of a metal, an element called iridium, were found in the Earth's clay from this period of time. And iridium is a metal that's not very abundant on Earth, but is really quite abundant in space. Right. 
And this impact, you know, this this huge piece of rock flying into Earth um, caused um, all sorts of havoc and is thought to have led to the extinction of the dinosaurs because it started off um, earthquakes and started off fires and, and lightning. But this new discovery has actually looked at what the impact of this huge asteroid was on the Earth's temperature. And this is the the new research that's come out in Science magazine um, last week from the University of Missouri. So what scientists have actually done, and this is the the really cool part of the story, I think, is they've managed to use fish bones as thermometers. So remains of fish as thermometers. (laughs) And I'll tell you a little bit about that. So people have thought for a while that there was probably a change in temperature when this asteroid hit the earth Mm. because you know it's a huge event some people had argued that perhaps it led to a global cooling because when this uh, huge rock smashed into another rock it would create dust that could have stopped the sun from being able to penetrate through the dust and maybe that the earth cooled down but this new research suggests or supports the idea that actually the, the temperature of the Earth raised was you know rose sorry by five degrees and the way that they found this out is by looking at the remains very small kind of sand like grains of fish bones and fish remains that are found in um, a layer of sediment from this period from the period. Um, sort of just after the impact of this asteroid. Right. And these samples are actually taken not from near the site of the asteroid in Mexico, but actually from Tunisia, which is about 9,000 kilometres away from the asteroid impact. Uh-huh. But there's a bed, um, an area of uh, of this kind of this bed that's that's really well preserved because at the time of the impact, it was underneath the waves, so it hasn't been disturbed. Right. So what the researchers did is they actually took some samples of these fish fossils from from a time period in this kind of piece of sediment that represents 50,000 years before the mass extinction event when the asteroid collided with Earth and a sample from about 300,000 years after this event. So we're talking, um, these sound like large time scales, but geologically speaking, they're very small time scales. Neighbours, just um, a few seconds. Yeah, exactly. But what they found is that the, the different concentration um, of oxygen-18, which is an isotope of oxygen. So we have um, these elements, elements with different numbers of isotopes are called, um, sorry, with different number of neutrons are called isotopes. And there's an isotope of oxygen called oxygen-18 that decreases in concentration in these, uh, these bones as the uh, temperature of water increases because oh. it's not taken in in the same amount. So, so it by becomes lo- a thermos. Yeah, so it be, by looking at the concentration not of a this... Thermos. Well, thermometer. Thermometer, but, that's but the word. <laughs> by looking at the, the concentration of this particular isotope of oxygen in those um, fish fossils, one can tell something about the temperature of the ocean at the time. Mm. And it's thought that for about 100,000 years after this max uh, mass extinction event, the temperature of the Earth rose by about five degrees, from twenty to twenty-five degrees, and it took about hundred thousand years for it ret- to re- for it to return to the temperature before the collision of this asteroid. Right, that's really interesting. It's interesting for so many reasons, I think, because one of the things is that the the scientists who reported this research, um, Ken McLeod from the University of Missouri, is one of the people involved, is that actually unusually. This period of time and this rise in, rise in temperature is quite similar to the rise in, t- rise in temperature that's occurred since industrialization. Right. So 
this rise in temperature probably happened in in tens of years after the asteroid collision Uh and the rise in temperature that we've seen since industrialization has happened over 150 years yeah and it suggests that it could perhaps if we stopped burning fossil fuels and stopped everything right now then it might take a hundred thousand years for it to return to those temperature levels Mm. of course this is just a suggestion but it's interesting to see some of the mirroring between those two periods do we know if the uh the five degree temperature change had a major effect on like the environment and the inhabitants so um it it's very likely that it would have done so if if the dinosaurs were killed by the impact of this crater mm. and the you know the kind of ripples around the earth, I the just earthquakes. imagine them all getting shook off the earth. Yeah, that's it's pretty horrible to think about it, well, isn't it? I, but- I I just can't think of it. I remember seeing one hilarious diagram of um like a flat Earth society thing, where if the Earth was flat and the asteroid hit one of the sides, then it would. Just tip and just like fling them all off. catapult into, yeah. sk- into space so not quite like that <laughs> but um yeah so, so i mean some people think that there were already some serious volcanoes going on which were dated a bit earlier than this which were already impacting the dinosaurs um but the impact of this crater would have caused a whole heap of you know earthquakes and, and volcanoes and things like that right, but that also yeah but also probably by hitting the ground and increasing the number of the release of methane from the ground that's a greenhouse gas oh. which would go up into the atmosphere and also there would have been a lot of fires because of because after this event there would have been forest fires which would have released carbon dioxide into the atmosphere these are two greenhouse gases methane's actually uh, about 20 times worse than carbon dioxide as a greenhouse gas so if this was released too Crikey. we know that the increase in carbon dioxide is what you know one of the things or the increase in greenhouse gases is which was what causes this rise in temperatures so actually as well as the asteroid the change in the temperature of the earth and the increased levels of co2 mm. would have been quite um, problematic for a lot of living things and, yeah, right. and that's why they reckon that only a few dinosaurs sort of bird-like dinosaurs survived ah. so yeah i think this is a, a really interesting story not least because they've used these fish bones as a type of thermometer yeah that is very interesting and hopefully i mean it's a a good pointer or something to go off for global warming and kind of looking at well it might have been done before so uh, we might be able to return the earth's temperature to what it originally was is that kind of what we're going on well i think i think i mean it's unlikely i mean it's unlikely that everything's going to stop we know we're so used to using fossil <laughs> fuel now we're not going to switch everything tomorrow. off but i think modeling or looking at Uh, different periods in the Earth's history where it's gone through cooling or heating events, it can be very useful in terms of modelling scenarios and understanding what these changing temperatures mean for the things that live on Earth and how things adapt or don't adapt. And it's a, a prescient reminder of the importance to try and reduce this as much as we can. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for bringing in some really cool dinosaur stories today uh, for Up and Adam, Dr. Alice. No worries. I'll see you next week. See you next week.